what's up guys so kind of a big show today we got some decent stuff going on um i took some time watched a lot of the rookie wide receivers that are going to be coming into the draft this year um broke a couple of them down just kind of things i saw um some comps some places i think they would fit well um after that talked about some coaching hires visits stuff like that um see you know just my thoughts on that and then gonna do some golf stuff talk about some people i like for riviera i know you can do the lineups on like DraftKings and fanduel i put together one and then there's one other guy that we're going to talk about who you, i think you should um you know look into and then that's really it all we have for today um you know again we're on tiktok so call your shot podcast follow on tiktok we're up to 14 followers so we're taking over the internet that's the goal um try to get some stuff up there and uh yeah on spotify five stars you love it four stars you don't let's get going So I wanted to start with the incoming wide receiver draft class because, you know, this is mainly a fantasy football podcast. And a lot of times we have guys that walk in and have immediate impacts. You know, like this year you had guys like Garrett Wilson. Last year you had, you know, your Monroe, St. Browns, your Jamar Chases, those kinds of guys. And I think when you look at the class this year, the 2023 class, I don't see a lot of those number one wide receivers you know like we said earlier last year we had Garrett Wilson we had Drake London we had Chris Olave year before we had Jamar Chase Devontae Smith Jalen Waddle, Amon Ross some of those guys aren't number ones on their own team but that's because there's other guys you know they're number one type players that caliber of player um and the year before that too 2020 you had Jefferson IU CD Lamb those guys um but yeah I don't I don't see a lot of number ones necessarily. I see a lot of a lot of very good number twos, kind of just these players where it's like if they're in the right scheme, the right fit, they can be impact players. I just don't see a lot of guys that I think are just going to dominate are going to be able to like just get the high target share and just be focal points of the offense. A lot of stuff, more dressing kind of players. So the first guy that I watched was Quinson Johnson out of uh, TCU. I Bigger guy, very athletic, very fast. Not the deepest route tree. A lot of goes, fades, screens, slants, deep crossers, shallow crossers. It seems like he, when I watch him, it takes him a while to get in and out of the cuts, which is kind of weird because when you look at him after the catch, I mean, he looks like a basketball player. He looks like a two guard. Like he, his jukes look like crossovers. He's can stop and start very quickly. He has a spin move where basically he'll catch a curl and he'll just turn around and blink by and he's just gone. And it's just his ability to make people miss that lateral quickness and stuff. He shows after the catch. It's kind of, I think it's a good sign. You can see it going forward. You could see him making improvements and making strides in his route running. That's what I would say for him. He's big and strong. I think he could be a very good blocker if he needed to be. Um, TCU didn't really ask him to do a lot of that from what I saw. Um, 
the comp that I had for him is just kind of this more souped up kind of Traylon Burks, Christian Watson sort of player. Because when you look at what TCU did with him, you look at what he's probably going to end up being asked to do in the NFL is these, you know, they're just trying to get him the ball in open space, whether that's, you know, scheming him open on go routes, whether it's screens underneath stuff like that, they want to get the ball in his hands early and let him go make plays. I don't, he's, you know, a little raw, like we said earlier with the route running, a lot of room to grow with that. I don't see him, you know, I don't see him doing Debo stuff. I think that's what some stuff, some of the stuff that Traylon Burks did. He got Debo comps last year. I don't think it's necessarily that, but I think just the willingness and teams are going to want to get the ball in his hands because he's such a great athlete. Like we said earlier, he's great after the catch. I think that's going to be kind of his role. One of the, I think the best fit for him would be Chicago. I think you can, you get a little bit of both with him. He can stretch the field vertically and then he can also give Justin Fields easy looks. I think when you have a young quarterback, unless they're going to go get, you know, and go trade for a number one, he could be a guy that does stuff that makes life easy on Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Like we said, screens, drags, all that different stuff you can create after the catch. Just make life easier on your young quarterback. That's what you want to do. Um, the next guy I had was Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. He was the one that scored the five touchdowns against Bama this year. Um, he is fast. He's very fast. He had. He's going to be a vertical threat. That's going to be his niche. That's going to be what he's asked to do in the league. Um, average like 19 yards per reception, which is just absurd. Um, again, not the most distinguished route runner. It's kind of a common theme for most of the guys in this class. Um, but he's just going to run right by DBs. Like that, that's going to be his thing. He's going to be one of those guys that you see in the draft these recent years. Teams are falling in love with speed. Like you look at Waddle went six, Lave went 11. Ruggs was the first receiver in his draft class taken. Then you know, Jameson Williams was coming off torn ACL. Detroit moved up 20 spots to come get him. So I think when you look at the speed, he's going to be somebody that teams are going to want to bring in and build around. I think it's like Brandon Cooks-ish. Like not like he's a little older now. So, we, But back in the day, his speed was insane. He was like a 4-3-3 guy. Probably going to be somewhere where Jalen Hyatt ends up when he runs at the combine. Um, they both work a lot in the slot too. So I could see that's kind of who I see when I watch him. Um I think a good fit for him would be Los Angeles, the Chargers. Um, you know, Keenan Allen's getting a little slower, getting a little older. It's different than the style of play that he does. He's a lot more underneath stuff. Mike Williams is – they just re-signed him, but he's pretty unreliable at this point. He gets hurt a lot. Um, I think you add Hyatt to Herbert. It's a vertical aspect of that offense that they desperately need, and especially when you have Herbert and his strong arm – you're bringing Kellen Moore. You're looking to push the ball downfield a little bit more. Something they didn't do with Joe Lombardi. They did a lot of check downs and stuff like that. I think they're going to try to throw the ball downfield more. I think he would be a very good fit there. Um, another place would be Dallas. Just they need other receivers besides CD. And, you know, CDs, he can go deep. But I think if you have Hyatt going deep, you can open up a lot of stuff for CD. I think he would very much thrive in that setting in the intermediate range. Um, the next guy I watched was Zay Flowers, and he's my favorite that I watched so far. There's this Antonio Brown feel to him, like just the twitchiness. He adjusts in midair. The route running is just crisp, just in and out of breaks and all that stuff. 
He makes contested catches. I saw him, one of the plays he made, he made a one-handed catch on a screen where the defender hit him from the side that he made, like, the extended arm catch. It was, it was like, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, but still, it was just remarkable. I thought it was an incredible catch. Um, he works both inside and outside in the slot, do stuff there. Very instinctive. Another play I saw with him was, like, he goes down on a seam route, catches the deep ball, and then just immediately has the wherewithal and the vision to just juke out the safety that's coming in for an absolute missile shot on him. Um, he's going to be one of those guys in next-gen stats, I think, that you're going to look at. It's like, oh, yeah, he separates better than everybody else in the league. Like, he gets, he just gets open. Like, that's the biggest thing. He, I think he's going to be – he played at Boston College – not a lot of his quarterback play was not great. Like when you watch it, there's a lot of times where he seems like, oh, he's open, he's open. But, um, you know, I think he's going to be somebody that rises as the process goes on. Um, he likes to block. Like a, like he's a very chippy player. You can tell he kind of plays with a bit of an edge um, from what I saw. Best fit for me, selfishly, would be Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think he would cure a lot of the problems that they have. A lot of times the receivers that they have now have problems separating. There's a lot of times where you got multiple people standing in the same place. It's like in basketball. You shouldn't let one defender guard two people. That happens a lot with the Ravens. So I think, you know, selfishly, I would like to see him in there. They're going to want to try to improve the short game. You know, they've they've been able to throw the ball deep for a decent amount. Like a lot of their big plays have come on deep balls. I think if they can get more some more short and intermediate stuff, I think that would be a good fit. Um, another one would be another fit would be Tennessee. Um, you know, he would compliment Burks. They also need to just add to that room. Again, there's a lot of teams that need wide receivers. So I think this is going to be a class where we see a lot go off the board. Um, next guy was Jordan Addison. He was a tough comp for me just because you watch him. He's a very good player, very fast. The natural one is Devontae Smith just because of the size. They're both like six feet under 180 pounds. Um, I think Devontae has better hands, though. You see, like, Addison had some drops this year. Um, but I think I think he's a little faster than Devontae was, but both get open very easily. Um, I think when you look at, if you're going to say that the comp is Devontae Smith, which is, it's decent enough, but if you think that that's the comp, I think pairing him with Mac Jones on the Patriots would be good. Um when Mac Jones was at his best was in the Alabama system. You had guys like Devontae Smith who could get open using speed in the route running. Um, I think the offense in general just needs to get faster. So they have Taekwon Thornton. He missed a decent amount of time this year. I think he's going to be coming back and he's going to make some plays for them, but you know, not as polished as Addison. I think putting Addison in with Jones, I think it would add an element to the offense. I think they need. Um, after that, I watched Jackson Smith and Jigba. I've seen people do the Amon Ra comp. I, I get it. it. He finds open space. They run a lot of similar routes. My problem with trying to evaluate him, though, is he was hurt basically all of this year. He had like five total catches this year. And then the last season in 2021, it was him, Garrett Wilson, and Olave. So he was the third option. And, you know, he made plays. Like I watched the games where he was that third option. He made a lot of plays. And then, you know, both Wilson and Olave set out the the Rose Bowl, and he has the 340-yard game, scores all these touchdowns. 
he's playing as running backs. Like Utah had cluster injuries in their DB group, and he's doing this against running backs. Like I, I understand it's still very difficult, but you have to take all that stuff with a grain of salt. He's going to be a first round guy. I think it's going to, if you think that he's going to be a one, I think that can be a little bit risky. Like if you're a team drafting him to be your number one, I think that could be risky. I think he could be a very good two. Like we said earlier, this class has a lot of twos, I think. Um, so I think he would be a good fit there. And if you're, if you're taking him to be a three, like he was in 2021 with Ohio state, then you're just being greedy talking about you, Cincinnati, please don't do that. Um, I think the best fit for him would probably be a team like Seattle. When you look at their team and how they're built, Lockett's 31. He's kind of coming down the home stretch, I think. Um, Him and DK are pretty vertical guys. DK doesn't really have the route running ability that Smith and Jigba has. I think this would be a very good fit for him because, like we talked about, he could come in. He would be the number three just right off the bat with them. I think that would be another weapon for Seattle because, you know, you're building your presumably you're going to be building around Geno Smith. So you get him as many weapons as possible. Jackson Smith and Jigma comes in first year, not a lot of pressure, definite third guy in this offense. And then you just kind of see where it goes. Finally, I, I watched Josh Downs. I, I don't know. I got flashes of Hollywood Brown and I'm not, that's not really a compliment um, as somebody that watched him for like three, four years. He does a lot of the running backwards. It's just little stuff. Like, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He does a lot of, like, the running backwards after catching a curl around, like, trying to turn around. Like, Quinton Johnson, it's a quick, like, it's almost like a center in the post, just a quick spin. Like, Downs, like, kind of wraps around and walks, like, five yards backwards and, like, loses yards. I, like, I can't really stand that. And then he there's plays where he'll like hold, like hold the ball out like Sean McCoy, McCoy style and just like in the middle of traffic. And it just scares me. He's a good player. He's going to do a lot of the underneath stuff. I think a good fit for him would be Buffalo. I think you'd be upgrading that Isaiah McKenzie spot. Buffalo needs weapons. They're going to need cheap young weapons. Um, this could also, if he's getting open underneath, could force Josh Allen to throw the ball down there more instead of just, chucking up deep balls to digs the whole game. Um, I also think he's downs would show up and probably be their second best route runner. It would be digs. And then him like Gabe Davis doesn't really have that in the bag. So I think those would be the fits. Um, those are all the ones that I've watched so far. Um, I'm not going to probably rank them yet compared to the other NFL guys. I want to see, I want to see where they end up. Um, but I definitely think, if I had to put one at the top, it'd be Zay Flowers. I think he is – he. I watched him, and it's like you – it looked a lot different than the other guys because you see he's not playing with the same – like, I mean, if you look at the guys, like Caleb Williams is obviously – Caleb Williams, Stroud are the best QBs, and then like Josh Downs had Drake May this year. He's very good too. You could make the argument Zay Flowers had like the worst quarterback play, and I think you, you could just see – like oh yeah well that's that's what it sh- that's what it looks like on Sundays so that he's my favorite um, I'm excited to see where all these guys end up I'm a big draft nerd so I'm gonna be doing the PFF mock draft simulators probably from now until April so we'll see where all these guys go there were these amount of coaching news happening the past couple of days and honestly hours like it's 
I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon, and there's been multiple stuff that's already happened today. So I want to kind of get into some of that stuff. The big one was Shane Steichen. He's going to be the Indianapolis head coach. We've talked enough about Steichen. I don't want to get into it again. Don't want to piss anybody off. Um, interesting, they, the Colts hired back-to-back Eagles offensive coordinators as their head coaches. I don't know. I, I wonder if that's ever happened before. Like, it's honestly kind of interesting. Um, when I look at the team, though, I've been very low on Jonathan Taylor. My presumption was that Jeff Zaria would be back as the head coach. I feel more comfortable moving him up now. I think still you're going to have to – same thing with Michael Pittman. I'm probably higher on Pittman than most, kind of a vice versa to Taylor. I think overall, though, we're going to have to see what happens with the quarterback position. I highly doubt that they're going to go and get a veteran. I like I don't think Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback of this team. But if I think best case you get a guy like Stroud or Bryce Young, I think they're widely seen as the more pro ready guys. Um, I think if you get Levis or Anthony Richardson, they're more of projects. So I think both those guys, depending on what happens, it'll, it'll be a kind of a back and forth. We'll see how it plays out. After the draft, what moves they make in free agency and stuff like that. But I think both of them, like, this is like, I don't think of them like the Texans or something like that now, or just a dysfunctional, like, inept coaching staff, inept franchise. I think you can feel comfortable taking their players in fantasy again. Um, Jonathan Gannon, it looks like, is going to be the head coach of the Cardinals. Um, see a lot of Eagles fans on Twitter pretty happy about that. Um, there was like Matt Patricia comps because it's like it's like oh it's like he got blown out in the Super Bowl and then got hired as a head coach. I mean, I wouldn't say it's that bad. Like it's Matt Patricia was bad, um, but yeah, especially if like if you're gonna base your entire opinion about the d- defensive coach based on playing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, um, uh, defensive coaches would never get hired just because those guys are just they're they're two of the best. Um, in my opinion, though, I think you you probably should have tried to get an offensive guy. I don't know who else would have been out there besides Steichen. I know people were talking to Cap, talking about Callahan, the Cincinnati OC. You look at the playoffs this year, seven out of the eight coaches in the divisional round were offensive guys. The only one that wasn't was uh, Sean McDermott, and he had Josh Allen. And Dayball left, and we saw what happened. He took a step back. So... Kyler wasn't really great this year. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. But I just don't think he's necessarily good enough to elevate a team where you don't have an offensive-minded coach. I think he's a guy, a guy like Bucky Brooks and uh, Daniel Jeremiah. They have, like, the trucks or trailers. I think Kyler's more of a trailer. I don't think he's a guy that can pull a team. I think he's going to need some help around him. Um, so, yeah, I think, you again, don't know what other guys they could have gone out and gotten. Maybe they feel like Gannon's best. You know, also you have to look at, like, they're playing Shanahan and McVay four times a year. If you think he's a defensive guru and you look at, like, the sack rate and all the stuff that Philly was able to do this year and, you know, that's the kind of guy you want to go in on, you think that he can go toe-to-toe with them and because you, you build you build your team to win your division. Like, that's kind of how teams are being built. I think that maybe that's there's sense behind that. There's also the... Everybody always like it's kind of pretty. It's pretty common thing. Teams will they'll hire an offensive head coach, 
and then once they fire him, they'll hire a defensive head coach, and they'll just flip-flop back and forth. I think this is kind of what that is. It's like the pendulum swing the other way after Cliff. So, I don't know. I don't think this will be terrible. I don't. I just don't really have many opinions about it here or there. Um, the Ravens hired Todd Munkin, the Georgia offense coordinator. I personally really like it. Like, I go on Twitter and I scroll through all the people that watch a lot of film. They like it. So that that's good enough for me most of the time. Like, you know, I you look at some of the stuff. I can I gotta pull a quote up here that he said in an article that they talked about him from Georgia beginning of this year. It says, believe me, when I'm thinking game plan wise, I'm thinking about how we can be explosive and how we can run the ball and help us be explosive all fits together. You can't control the game if you can't can't run the ball comfortably. You can't you can't control the game. You can have a bunch of statistics and make it look better and make you feel better, but if you can't run the ball comfortably, you can't win the game. And that's from a guy that likes to throw it. My quarter, my whole background is wideouts and quarterbacks, so I do enjoy throwing it. I want to throw it. I think that quote right there is a perfect encapsulation of kind of what like Harbaugh was looking for. He, they talked about it after in the press conference after Roman stepped down, got fired, whatever they want to call it. But it's like when you look at it, really, Harbaugh wants to run the ball. That's this team's idea. They want to run the ball, play defense. That's what Georgia did this year. They ran the ball. They did play action. They did all that stuff. And I think when you know Bienemy was supposedly an option, they were going to bring him in for interviews and stuff. The thing with Bienemy is there's just kind of this like gray unknown sort of thing going on with him. I, I personally think he deserves a job. I think the whole notion is like, oh, he doesn't call plays. I, I think it's a little overblown. Like I've seen stuff where they say like, oh, he'll call certain series. Like he'll have like plays running with a little script, like the whole drives and stuff like Wally and Andy Reid has to do other things. And also you look at guys like there have been guys under McVay and Shanahan LaFleur, like Nate Hackett didn't call plays, got a job. Mike McDaniel didn't call plays, got a job. Zach Taylor didn't call plays, got a job. So it, at a certain point, if nobody, if he's going into all these interviews and he's not getting them, there's probably something up. Like I've seen stuff with him and Mahomes having beef. Like I genuinely just don't know. I think he deserves a shot. Like I don't think that you can look at the Chiefs offense and say, oh, well, he just has absolutely no part of it. I don't know. I think he deserves a shot. But at the end of the day, I do understand like the way Harbaugh wants to run this offense. The way Monken runs his offense, it, he's a good play caller. Like he's going to have success, I think. But I understand why the Ravens went him over the enemy. So we'll see what happens there. Speaking of Ravens coordinators, um, Greg Roman's interviewing in Washington. I I don't get it. Like I've I watched that guy call plays every Sunday for since 2019. And you look at the quarterbacks that he typically works with. They're mobile guys. Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, Lamar Jackson. If Howell is the quarterback, I just don't really see that. Like, I know he can move a little bit, but he's not He's not on the same level as those guys. So, you know, if Washington is going to draft somebody, I could see it making sense. They're at 16. They are in the range to move up and make a move and go get, like, an Anthony Richardson. I think I think I mentioned this somewhere before. I think wherever Roman goes, there's a good chance Richardson might end up because people are going to try to kind of replicate the early Lamar Jackson success. I think it'll be kind of an expedited path sort of thing. Like 
they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll bring Roman in for like two years instead of like the four that he was here with us or with the Ravens, excuse me. And they'll just try to win games early with him. And if you're Washington and you want to draft a quarterback, I, you why not? Right now you're the worst team in the division. It's not really close. You got the Eagles are were just in the Super Bowl. The Giants are on the way up. They they took basically the same roster that they won four games with. You insert Dayball in their playoff team. So, you know, and then you also have the Cowboys who are in it every single year. As much as people hate on Mike McCarthy, they're in it every single year. They're going to make the playoffs. So you have to kind of take a swing on a quarterback. You can't just be like, oh, we'll run our fifth round pick, Sam Howell, out there. I think you have to try to be elite at that position because you look, you saw it in the Super Bowl. The Eagles were an infinitely better roster, and yet the one team had Patrick Mahomes, so that's who won. It's like, see stuff like, it's like Josh Allen, these guys, you need an elite QB to compete for championships. I mean, it's a team run by Dan Snyder, so maybe they are, maybe they're not trying to win championships, but I think that's the only way you're going to be able to take that next step. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, those are the big coaching news for now. I know Derek Carr also he got he's going to be cut. I think it's already official that he got cut. Um, doesn't surprise me. Again, I think a good spot for him would be just anywhere in the NFC South. I think any roster that he goes to down there is immediately that he will be the best quarterback in that division by a country mile. So wherever he goes, he's going to have a chance to have a home playoff game. He's going to be playing warmer weather, playing in domes all year. The cold weather is not going to be as much of an issue. I think that's going to be a good spot for him. So, so now that football season's over, um, we're going to probably end up talking a decent amount of golf. I don't really want to talk about the NBA or I might talk some baseball. We'll see what happens with that. But we're going to be talking a decent amount of golf. Um, Genesis Invitationals this week, um, out of Riviera Country Club, California. Um, do I this week? I just put together my like FanDuel lineup for guys that I think have a good chance. Like you, you know, you have the budget and all that stuff. So lineup I put together this week. Uh, first guy I had was Homa. These California courses, you try to put together like, or at least I'm going to try to put together teams with a lot of California guys just because they're very familiar with that area and those kinds of courses. Um, he's been playing well this year. He's already won. Um, he's won at Riviera before. Um, he's also he's second in strokes gained at specifically Riviera on this course in the last five years. So I think that's a good bet. He had, he had an all-time club throw at Phoenix last weekend. Like It was one of those where you start the one of us, one of us kind of chance, but that was pretty sweet. Um, so Max Homan's in there. I have Colin Morikawa, another California guy. Missed the cut, I'm pretty sure, last week, but he finished second last year. I like him. He's one of those guys you, you feel good betting on Colin Morikawa. He's a very good player. Um, I put Victor Hovland in there. Played here twice. He's finished top five both times. Um, first in strokes gained among players who've played twice at Riviera in the past five years. Um, he hasn't won this yet this year. I think it's a good spot for him. Then you get into some guys that are a little cheaper salary-wise. Um, Adam Scott has won there twice. Lucas Herbert, um, according to Data Golf, is one of the better fits for Riviera. Four top 25 since last five worldwide starts. The only one he didn't was actually last weekend. So we'll see what happens with there. I think that's a good bet. And then um, James Hahn, 
another former winner. Just guys to fill out the lineup, you know. Um, somebody that I don't have in my lineup, but I'm going to be on FanDuel right now. You can bet him to make the cut. It's Tiger Woods. If you bet him to miss the cut, you hate fun. That's that's my conclusion on that. I love watching Tiger, even the older, hobbled, like walking, like second day normally has a little bit of a limp, but I mean, he is just, it's plus money too for him to make the cut. So that's something that I would do. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of a brief golf, kind of put the lineup together. We'll see what happens with that this week. We did well last week, you know, had, you could, we, I got Nick Taylor 41 to one on Saturday morning when he was in second place. Like that was, I thought that was crazy. Cash that out. But um, so finally, before we go, last thing, I went to the doctor yesterday. Well, I, yeah, I had to go to the dermatologist because I had this like bump thing on my hand and, you know, it was just, it was just scar tissue, nothing like crazy, like anything like that. I was getting it like little procedure. They numb the hand. First of all, you put the numbing stuff in there. She was like, and this is, you know, it's good. You're going to feel a pinch and a burn. I was like, hey, you know, I've gotten shots before. I'm not like. Not, I'm not a person that's really afraid of needles. And number one, that thing burned like an MF. That thing, it was like I'd stuck my hand in a vat of acid. Like it was just like it was a burning sensation like I've never felt before. And like I'm like, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, they put all the anesthesia stuff in the just the hand. So my hand's starting to go numb. It, like she was like, can you feel this? Like she's poking my hand in the spot with the needle. And it's like, I can still feel it. She was like, yeah. She's like, I was like, yeah, I can feel a little bit. She puts more in. So this thing like swelled up to the size of almost like a golf ball. Like it, my hand was just, there's just this massive spot on there. And then she finally goes and start trying to cut this stuff out. And she goes, don't look at it. And I'm like, okay. And like, I'm, I have no issue with her saying that. I hate the sight of my own blood. Like it's one of, it's like one of my biggest, like, I guess say fears. I just like hate looking at like, even if I'm like, just like a paper cut, I'm just automatically like I'm bleeding out, like start writing the will. Um, but yeah, so she starts cutting this thing out. At one point I did look down and oh my God, it was so disgusting. Like it was, it was scary. I just immediately like snapped my head back. And then like last thing she, they did a very good job. Everything's going fine. I'm perfectly fine. Whatever. She said, she's like, yeah, normally I forgot to put on music. Normally I put on music. It relaxes the patients. I guess she was saying that because maybe I was stressing her out or something like that. I was being all stressed. Um, She starts humming like the kind of like, I guess, take the place of the music. And I, I didn't really know what song she was humming, but like, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get in on this action. Like you know, I've watched Pitch Perfect a couple times. One of my favorite movies. So I'll, I'll get in on this action. So I try to like match the humming with her. I'm like, she's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then she's like, she's like, are, are you okay? She like stops the whole thing. She's like, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah. I like explain. I was like, I'm just trying to, trying to match the humming. I, they thought that was pretty funny. I guess that's never happened before. But, um, but yeah, so that was, that was my story. My first, I guess you say it was my first surgery. Like I've, I've had like, I had a cut, I have a cut on my face. They had to like glue it. This is the first time I've ever gotten stitches felt like my hand was numb at that point, but I could feel the the stitches going in and out. It felt like my hand was a shoe, and they're, like, lacing it up, like, just for the first time, like, putting new shoelaces in it. So that was weird. But, yeah, that that's the show. Um, hope you guys enjoy this stuff. Maybe we can do some something similar like that with 
more in depth with the running backs and the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Tight end class is pretty good this year, so we'll look into that. And then, um, yeah, other than that, we'll have some out on Friday. Um, that's it. So thank you guys again. Follow us on TikTok. We'll probably have some clips from this out at some point. And then uh, five stars if you love it, four stars if you don't. Get home safe. <laughs>